Welcome to the Bethany Community Church Sermon Podcast. This ministry is intended to inspire you and help bring solutions to the challenges of life. Today's message is titled, Happy Couples Speak Life into Their Marriage, and it is part of the What Happy Couples Do Sermon Series. For more information about other ministries here at Bethany Community Church, you can visit us at our website at bccma.org or you can always send us an email at office at bccma.org. And now, here's Pastor Phil McCutcheon. Hey man, it's good to see all of you today. It's good to be back. We had a, Jay and uh, some of us had a beautiful time out in Phoenix, Arizona at the May, uh, Alpha Conference and went there uh, really uh, looking forward to learning more about Alpha, more about their programs, more about how to grow Alpha. And uh, another time, for those of you who don't know what in the heck I'm talking about, I'll explain what Alpha is. But anyway, we, we did do that. But you know what was more, uh, uh, what I wasn't expecting was an encounter with the Holy Spirit there. And uh, the, the, the presence of the Holy Spirit was so real in the meetings. And we had, uh, we had tons of Roman Catholics there who were seeking renewal with the Holy Spirit. And um, got to hear 80-year-old Sandy Miller speak on the last day who pastored Holy Trinity in Brompton, he's an Anglican bishop, and uh, boy, the spirit was just thick in that room, and so, you know, I know a lot of you come here Sunday after Sunday, and some of you haven't had that encounter with the Holy Spirit yet, and I'm just praying for you that you will, and it will change your life, it will change your life when you have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, and I'm looking forward, I'm looking forward to seeing the Spirit of God even more evident and manifest, he's, I never say, I Spirit come because he's already here, but manifest is what we want to see. So let's 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 experience that today. How about that? We just go ahead and experience the manifestation of the Holy Spirit today. We don't have to wait. Um, uh, I want to remind you about Next Steps class, and just uh, I know it's already been announced, but I just want to kind of reiterate the importance of that, and because we want to get engaged with you, you want, we want you to get engaged with us. And it's, a, it's kind of the entry point of really getting to know more about Bethany Community Church and about getting more involved. And so um, I, I was just sitting in the class a while ago, and really John Wiersma's doing a fantastic job. And um, so next one's March 1st. Please sign up. Hey, how many of you like free stuff? Like free stuff? I want to give a couple of books away. Uh, this is the greatest book on marriage I believe ever written, called The Meaning of Marriage by Tim Keller. I believe it's the best book on marriage I've ever read uh, from a biblical point of view, especially. And I just got done reading this one, The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work, and a lot of things in the series are coming out of this book. And I don't know, this might be the best secular marriage book I've ever read. It's really good. Really, really good. So, uh, I want to give these away to a couple of couples, so let's just start with uh, meaning of marriage. The first, the first person can get up here, married person, I'll give it to you. I'll go down here, so you don't have to go so far. <laughs> You're going to love it. You're going to love it. And the seven principles for making marriage work. If you just want some nuts and bolts, so the first person get up here, I'll give you seven principles for making marriage work. <laughs> hey, you're not married yet. No, you're getting married in June. <laughs> you got a free book out of me. <laughs> That's funny. 
I, I, I met with him the day. I told him, told him he needed to read that book. So that's, that's pretty smart. I tell you, that is pretty good. Uh, you're going to be well taken care of, Paige. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. Um, so let's, let's get into this. So I know Jason capably told you about how, uh, how to have fun in your marriage, right? How many of you did your homework assignment, had some fun this week? All right. I can't. I think a few more. I, I'm going to give you another week, some of the rest of you. Have some fun this week. I'm going to also give you an assignment today. So you want, to, you want to make sure you're taking notes today because at the end, if you have the app, you're going to have the notes you need already. But at the end, you're going to have to write some things down to fulfill your assignment for next week. And um, so we'll be talking in a minute here about, uh, about, about a certain aspect of marriage. I don't want to give it away yet. Um, uh, we, we're talking about happy couples, okay, in this series, and we need to re-examine that statement that I've heard, that God didn't create marriage to make us happy, but to make us holy. I got to thinking about the other day, you know, that sounds pretty harsh. <laughs> Would you marry someone who said, I'm only committed to making you holy? Would you, <laughs> you say, well, I did marry that person. <laughs> But you didn't sign up for that. That may be what happened, but you didn't sign up for someone whose primary focus in life was your spirit to make you spiritually mature. No, you got married to be happy. And happy is holy, by the way. In fact, we pay a price when we don't cultivate happy marriages. Children, especially. When uh, they did a study of 63 preschoolers, from preschool to age 15. And they found that marriages where there was a high degree of hostility, a high degree of marital hostility, they found that they suffered more truancy, missing, missing school, more depression, more peer rejection, more behavioral uh, problems, especially aggression, and low achievement in school. So our kids pay a price when we don't work at having a happy marriage. Uh, Jordan Peterson has one of my favorite quotes of, the, of his quotes is this one. You don't get to choose not to pay a price. You only get to choose which price you pay. You can pay for a happy marriage, price of a happy marriage, or the much higher price for an unhappy marriage. So Pastor Jay capably told you that happy couples have fun. I'm going to tell you a second thing that happy couples do. Here it is. Happy couples speak life into their relationship. Um, I want to um, show you an, a beautiful young couple and, and children here. Um, when this is in 1986, I thought it was 85. Christy corrected me because she remembers. <laughs> 86. And uh, along about this time, we, uh, met, some of you heard this story, but I want to focus on maybe a different aspect of it. About along about this time, we decided we were pastor in Westfield, Massachusetts, and we decided to go back to Florida. For, for me, it was back. We went back to Florida, so we, we rented a, a U-Haul rental truck in New Bedford where uh, the Mastons lived at that time, and we drove to, uh, to, to Florida, to South Florida. And we went out the door this morning, that morning, my father-in-law said to me, make sure you take the Tappan Zee Bridge. 
and because we had a we had a truck and we're pulling a car on behind. And I get to the I get closer and closer, and the traffic was moving so well. I figured, well, he's wrong. I'm going George Washington Bridge. And so we get close to the bridge, and the traffic starts to stack up. And I th I had another brilliant idea uh, that Sherry wasn't a part of that idea, uh, <laughs> and that was we take we could go around the George Washington Bridge. Now that was. Anybody know the city? No, that is stupid. That's just what a stupid man does, right? And uh, we had no, there was no GPS in those days. So I get off, and uh, literally, and you're not going to believe this, three and a half hours later, we are just made it to Canal Street. And uh, I forgot to mention the conversation that was happening in the <laughs> cab of the truck for three and a half hours was we were having World War III between Sherry and I, and, and I think she said something about what I should have done, and I don't know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, Jay was a chatterbox, uh, still is, he was then, and he always never stopped talking, and uh, Christy was quiet, well, Jay was quiet that day, because it was scary in the cab of that truck, and that was before car seats and all that, so they were like, I remember them sitting in the floorboard of the truck, and, uh, but we get to Canal Street, and we, Sherry and I are just going at each other. Man, we are, and I know we laugh about these things now, but boy, when they're happening, they're not funny at all. They're not funny at all. In fact, you can destroy your lives, and you can, you can say, we're done. Because you get so angry, and, you know, I, I, my ego was, my, my pride was hurt. And, and, and I don't think she was sparing my pride at that point. But she, her, her mercy gift kind of ran out. You know, and, but I remember, and I, I, I don't want to, I, I, I don't remember, I wish I could remember exact words that were said, but I just remember going down Canal Street, and it was, it was terrible, because I would get the truck out of the intersection, the car still in the intersection, so people are cursing, and you know, when they say, hey buddy, in New York, it is not the same as saying it in Texas, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, uh, but I, I said something like, I think everything's going to be okay. And I remember very uh, delicately touching Sherry's hair, as I said it, which was the dangerous thing to do. <laughs> and she said something positive back to me. And then I said something positive. It was like, it was really miraculous, I believe. It was like a cool wind blew through the cab of the truck. It's like everything was okay. And we got, it's just like everything, even the traffic started to move. And we go through the Holland Tunnel. My brother's waiting at the airport, in the Newark airport, because we're going to drop Sherry off at a hotel, and she's going to fly, and she and Christy are going to fly down, me and Jay, and my brother are going to drive the truck down. And there were some, several, I, if I had time, I'd tell you more, just kind of cool things that happened that day. The Bible says this, tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. James 3, 3 says, a bit in the mouth of a horse, and I love Eugene Peterson in the Message Bible, a bit in the mouth of a horse controls the whole horse, a small rudder on a ship that in the hands of a skilled captain sets a course in the face of the strongest winds. A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. It only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By our speech, we can ruin the world. Turn harmony to chaos, throw mud on a reputation, and send the whole world up in smoke. 
and go up in the smoke with it, right from the smoke, right from the pit of hell. We have a couple of great examples where tender words and affirming speech led to happy couples. One is uh, that great love story in the Song of Solomon that depicts uh, emotional, physical, and but especially verbal love between a lover and his beloved. And we, we go to chapter 1 and we see the beloved in verse 15, or the lover rather, the man, the masculine lover saying, how beautiful you are, my darling, how beautiful your eyes are, are like doves. Now, they didn't, they didn't need to say those things, but, but we, we, we have to say, we have, we have to speak our reality into existence. And then the, then the beloved says, the female says, you are so handsome, my love pleasing beyond words. I'm sure you guys have talked to each other this week like this, right? <laughs> and then there's, a, then there's that incredible love story with this prophet named Hosea in the Old Testament. And Hosea marries this woman named Gomer. And at some point during the marriage, she, be, she became unfaithful and to the point that she became a prostitute, not because she was enslaved or forced into prostitution, but by, by her own choice. And one day, God began to deal with Hosea's heart and began to tell him, I, I, have, I, have, I have allowed this marriage to be like this because I want to show you a picture of me and Israel. And I want you to be me and Gomer to be Israel. And I want you to go get her. And I want you to bring her back and love her again. And I love this, this, this verse. This is an awesome verse. Therefore, I am now going to allure her. I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her. Imagine that. Therefore, I will give her back her vineyards and will make the valley. Listen to this. Listen to what happens. Listen to where tender speech leads. Tender speech leads to Achor. I will, I will make the valley of Achor a door of hope. Think about that. You know, uh, listen to the next sentence. Therefore, she will sing as in the days of her youth. That means they weren't young, a young married couple anymore. So their marriage had been trouble for a long time. Things were not good. But tender speech opened up a door of hope, even for a marriage that was in trouble. Even for a marriage that was stressed, and I, there's no question in my mind, because I know human beings, there's a marriage in this room right now that needs to be, re, needs to be repaired. I'm telling you. Don't try to change the way you be, change what you say. And you will put yourself on a path of repair and restoration because your feelings will follow your words. Amen? All marriages start with tender words that express high value for you and the relationship. It's called wedding vows. What if your spouse or your partner would, or spouse-to-be, your partner would have stopped in the middle of the vows and said, I'm not saying that. You wouldn't be married today. The only way you got married is through words, tender words, affirming words, words that placed high value on you, your partner, and your relationship. Psychologists and scientific research has concluded that happy couples say certain things to each other. And I want to give you right now the 10 things that happy couples say to each other. Number one, I'm here for you. Now, you may not say these exact words. In other words, 
when they perform something or go out to accomplish something, you say congratulations on a great performance. You say, I'm sorry you're hurting when they're hurting. You say, I see your perspective. You say, I don't like the way you're being treated. Now, that doesn't mean that you affirm bad behavior and you somehow have to let them know that the way they're engaging with some toxic person or even non-toxic person is not exactly right. But they know that every time they come home and tell you about a, a stress they're having with this person at work, they know that you're not going to immediately ask, well, what did you do? Or here's another way to say that. I'll take off work and go to the doctor's appointment with you. You know, everybody, you, and I'm not surprised when I got diagnosed with cancer that Sherry would be compassionate and, and sensitive and all caring. And I knew she would be. I had no question about that. But I didn't really know how much. And I was really surprised when one, one of my doctor's appointments early on, she said, I'm going with you. And I know how busy she is. And I know how she much she likes her work. And she likes to be busy. And she likes to make good things happen in the world and for other people. And she doesn't stop for very many things. But she stopped for that. And she, when, when it came time for me to the, uh, go to the oncologist, she stopped and said, I'm going with you. When I went to the hospital and for the surgery, uh, I, I really didn't expect her to just stay there. But she did for I don't know how many days and how many hours just because I kind of was in a fog a lot of that time I ended up there for six or seven days and uh, she was there and I'm so grateful that she was there to talk have the difficult conversations with the doctors and the nurses and all of that it was so important it's so important that you say in so many words to your beloved I am here for you like nobody else second thing I would say or, or the researchers have tell us that happy couples say to each other, can I help you with that? Whether it's carrying in the groceries, making the bed, cleaning the house, preparing for dinner, navigating a technological disaster, you got too many things on your to-do list, even if there's no help to be had, it sure feels good when that spouse says, I want to help, can I help? If, you know, if you're socializing and your toddler is rampaging around this person's house that you visited and one of you keeps getting up to inspect and repair the damage that your little joint creation is creating in this person's house you know what happy couples do is they say hey you you have a seat I'll take I'll run after the little rug rat this time can I help you with that in fact uh, can I help you with that, is something Jesus said all the time. Did you notice that? In fact, every one of these things I'm going to say, we can trace to the character of Jesus. We can trace to the character of God. We can, we can trace to the character of the one whose image we bear. Can I help you with that? It, it, it's, by the way, can I help you with that? It's not the same as get out of the way. You're too incompetent to do it correctly. No, no, no. That's the mistake some of you make. It's not that at all. It's a question, not a command. It's not get out, get away from that stove. Get away from that. I, I'll do that. I'm good and you're not so good. No, 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 no. It's a question. It's not a command. But Jesus went around. His whole ministry was, can I help you with that? When he sees, uh, when he sees his, his, his disciples can't pay their taxes, he said, can I help you with that? 
When he sees a woman bury, about to bury her son, he says, can I help you with that? When he sees a, a 20,000 people that are all hungry, he looks at the crowd and says, can I help you with that hunger? He, he constantly went about saying, can I help you? In John 5, 6, he says to a guy who's been laying by a pool, uh, 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 paralyzed for many, many years, he says, do you want to get well? You are belying the character of Jesus when you say to your beloved, can I help you with that? Third thing that happy couples say is, you look great. Even after years of marriage, you look great. Feels really good, you know? You don't need to shower mushy, gushy stuff all day unless you're both into that. If you're both into that, go for it. But once in a while, you need to... You know, you can put some extra pep in your, in your partner's step when you say to them, you know, you look great in those pants. You look great in that shirt. I love the way you did your hair. You know, when God looks down at his church, he doesn't look down and say, I see all your flaws. Re look at Romans 12. Romans 12 is my example for this point. When, in Romans 12... You hear the Lord describing his church. And you know what, how he described us? By our giftings. By our talents. He said, some of you are really great at showing mercy. Some of you are really great at organizing and administrating. Some of you are great at leadership. Some of you are great at serving. Some of you are great at giving a prophetic word of truth. Altogether, I think you look great. That's the character of God. A fourth thing that happy couples say is, I have faith in you. When you're facing a challenge in your career or a, trying to eat healthy or diet, some tough, tough challenge with some toxic person in your life, and your spouse says, I trust your judgment. I know you'll make the right decision. You've got this. You can do this. It's like an energy drink, my friend. The, the Bible talks about using our words to build up and giving affirmation. You, 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 don't, you can't always give affirmation. Sometimes you have to disagree, but on a regular basis, you need to know that you have the unique power over your spouse of giving them confidence and worth. You know, as much as I appreciate you telling me this, my sermon is good once in a while, and I appreciate a text message or an email or just coming up to me. Yes, I appreciate that. Keep those cards and letters coming in. Uh, <laughs> but you can't touch it when Sherry tells me it's good, when Sherry tells me I did a good job. Jesus took four chapters of John's gospel, chapters 14 through 18, to tell his disciples how great they were going to do and how great they were going to be when he was taken away from them. Let that sink in for a minute. Let that sink into your brain for a minute that Jesus, the Son of God, is about to leave 12 guys and we know they had flaws and we know they had stuff and we know they weren't always reliable and Jesus for four chapters tell them you're going to do great. He said in chapter 17, by all men will know that you're my disciples because you love one another. You're going to do great at this. I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit with you and you're going to build my church. Now, I, if I'd have been Jesus, I'd have been like, 
I'm really nervous. I'm leaving my baby with you. Simon Peter, oh, Thomas, I don't even know if you believe what I've been telling you, Thomas. I, I don't. Jesus didn't act like a worried, worried spouse, did he? Like, you're going to blow it. I know. If, if, I don't go, if I don't go with you, you're going to blow it. No, Jesus said, you guys got this. He said, it's expedient that I go away. He said, greater, you know, in fact, he said, and I love this point. I could preach a whole sermon on this point because I love this point so much. He said, greater works than you, these shall you do because I go to my Father. Anybody got, anybody got the guts to say to your spouse, without me, you're going to be even better. <laughs> That's amazing, huh? If the Son of God can do it, as big a losers as we are, you can do it with your spouse. By the way, when you criticize or you correct, and you do need to correct sometimes, you do need to do that in a marriage. You do need to say, honey, you're wrong. Yeah, absolutely. But you need to realize something. Every time you do it, you're taking money out of the account. You're taking change out of your pocket. And if you don't have any change in your pocket, when you need to say something negative, because that's all you do, you're not going to have any success when you need to give what the scripture calls a life-giving rebuke. And you have to do that once in a while. But the life-giving rebuke is not what creates happy couples. And this series isn't about holy couples. This is about happy couples. We need to get happy, and then we can work on holy. And, and happy is holy. That's a complicated point, but it is. Okay, number five. Thank you. For some of you, your marriage is two words away from being happy. If you both heard thank you a few times a day, it would raise the temperature in relationship from chilly to warm in less than a week. And you know, we've been taught that praise is sinful and egotistical. And if I need you to praise me, I'm sinful, egotistical, and I'm a baby. But actually, it's not that way. You're wrong. I'm just telling you you're wrong. Look at your spouse and say you're wrong. Look at him. Say you're wrong about that. Actually, it's a sign, the fact that you need thank you and praise is a sign that you're a divine image bearer because God needs praise and God requires it of us. In fact, the Bible says the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. Hey, what works with God works with God's image bearers. Get in sync with God and start saying, you're great, I love you, good job, thank you. Even on the little stuff like and that's where we, we, we miss this opportunity because we don't realize it's as an investment. It's an investment even in ourselves. So we miss these opportunities because we have all this routine stuff that we do, like, like loading the dishwasher and sweeping the floor and run, running the vacuum cleaner and cleaning the toilet and, and, uh, and what good, going and get washing the car, go gassing up the car. Don't, don't lose that opportunity to say thank you. It will revolutionize your marriage if you'll start saying thank you, even for that little stuff that you do for one another so you don't feel taken for granted. And because, and, you know, many times a person, when I, I've watched through the years, people get involved in extramarital affairs. And a lot of times this is the point. They find somebody that says thank you. They find somebody that appreciates them. Amen? 
good point. Just an amen. Number seven. This is an easy one. Yes. Happy couples say yes. You, you, you can't say yes to everything. Sometimes no is healthy. And you can't say yes maybe to the weightier things in life uh, just to be agreeable. You know, I'm talking about yes to be agreeable. I, and, and, and maybe deciding whether to have kids. Maybe you don't say yes to that just to be agreeable. Okay, you've got to talk about that one. But all this other little stuff, like con- what concert to see, what movie to see, what, what restaurant to go at, where to vacation, why don't you just say yes? You know, so what, you don't like chick flicks, say yes. You, you know, I, I, I don't want to go to the Nutcracker, I really don't, with all my heart I don't, but if Sherry wanted to go, I would say yes. Mark Gunger tells about a guy who hated the theater. His wife wanted him to go, and he hid his, he hid his disdain and went to see Beauty and the Beast. And he had such a nice evening when he got home. The next day, he calls up the theater and gets season's tickets. <laughs> Saying yes can really pay off sometimes. <laughs> you know, when God put humans in the garden, he only gave them one no. And a million yeses. Fill your marriage with yes. Whenever you can possibly say yes, say yes. It's good spousonomics. Sometimes you'd be better off if you treat your marriage like a business. And do what makes business sense. Do what is profitable instead of what is stupid and unprofitable. <laughs> I've done plenty of unprofitable things. That's a whole series. <laughs> Number eight, I would like it if, or I need you to. I'm going to get right to the point here. What I'm saying here is stop expecting them to read your mind. Let your needs be known. Some of you bought into the silly idea that if someone loves you, they just know what you need. Listen, even God insists that I tell him what I need. And your spouse ain't God. (laughs) Right? When you tell someone how they can make you happy, you're empowering them. And that usually feels good to be empowered. That usually feels good to know, wow, if I did that, you would be happy. Now, some of you are brats and you don't want to give your power away. So that's why you won't tell them what you need because you don't want to give your power away, but you need to get saved. You need to repent. You need to repent of, of the sin of whatever. I, I didn't think through what to call that sin, but I'll, I'll have it for you next week. Now, if I had more time, I would talk to you about complaints versus, versus, comp, versus criticism. The book, the book, Seven Habits, or Seven whatever that book says. It, it really g- g- drills down that really good. But uh, you, can, you can frame a, a, a need in a complaint. That's okay. Complaints are okay. You know, I, 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 you can say, I don't like it when you, when, you cl- when you cook and you don't clean up after yourself. Now, you're, the, the wife can say that. The husband can't. I don't know why that rule is there, but it's a rule. <laughs> a husband cannot say that. Or the wife can say that. 
That bothers me. A complaint, a complaint, good complaining. If you're a good complainer, you, you know how to do this. A good complaint is, presents a problem, a solution, and if you're really good at it, a reward. The reward just may be that you're happy. That's good. That's good. How many of you would just like it if you could make your spouse happy? That would just be a great day in your life. <laughs> so, uh, a criticism, criticism is not, would, would you please clean up the kitchen after you cook? Criticism is you are a slob and you never, in fact, you should pretty much eliminate you never from your vocabulary. If you want to have a happy marriage, you need to quit saying you never. Even if it's true, don't say it. Because it, it, it doesn't go from the ears to the heart. It doesn't work. It goes to the heart in a bad way. But, but you're saying, you're a slob. You never clean up. You never blah, blah, blah. You never, 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 never. That's criticism. And that just tears a person down. And you, what you're saying to them is, you're hopeless. Don't do that. Number nine, you're right. Everybody wants to hear, have their thoughts and feelings validated. Sure, you're meant to contend with one another, but if you contend more than you confirm, you will not have a happy marriage. And no one can dish a steady dose of correction and contention. No one who does it is ever capable of withstanding it when the shoe's on the other foot. Spencer, Spencer Northey, a counselor, said, couples who make a habit of turning toward each, toward each other by looking for ways in which their partner makes sense have good ideas and are doing the right thing are sure to see the best in each other and find the best in their relationship. You never notice how Jesus went around setting people up so he could tell them they were right? He would ask questions. Jesus, Jesus often didn't make declarative statements and tell you what he knew. He asked you what you knew because Jesus was the master psychologist. And he went around making people feel better about themselves because he got them to say something. And then he would say, you are right. You are correct. One day he got so excited that Jesus went and prayed because his disciples got something right about their power over demons. And Jesus went right to the prayer closet with the Father. And he got so excited that he said, Father, I can't believe it. You, you, have, you have taken from your throne and reveal it to babes. He got so excited that they were right. Do you get excited when your spouse is right? Or do you go, darn it. <laughs> They're right. There. Celebrate their rightness. Number 10, I'm working on myself. This is, this is, this is the magic words. You may say it in different ways, but I'm working on myself and I'm trying to get better at that. It means that you are humble and you are willing to take some responsibility for some of the mess and some of the problems and some of the difficulties that are in every home, in every marriage, in every relationship. That you're willing to sh share the responsibility of why whatever it is, the level of intimacy is not what it should be, the level of joy the house is in a mess. Whatever it is, you're willing to share some of it, and you're willing to say, I'm working on myself. Tim Keller said this, within this Christian vision of marriage, here's what it means to fall in love. It is to look at another person, get a glimpse of what God is creating, and say, I see who God is making you, and it excites me. I see, 
I want to partner with you and God in the journey you're taking to his throne. And when we get there, I will look at your magnificence and say, I always knew you could be like this. I got a glimpse of it on earth, but now look at you. (laughs) I love that. Now, some of you have the illusion that you need to solve all of your differences. You know, Dr. Gottman, in the book that I mentioned earlier, says this. He said, most marital arguments cannot be resolved. Because they have very, very deep roots and very deep feelings. Some of, these, some of this stuff you're trying to resolve, you need to stop trying to resolve it. And begin to honor and respect each other just like you are. And begin to say the things that happy people say. Begin to do the things that happy people do. You may look over one day and find out that 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 problem that you thought was such a problem that you kept beating each other up trying to change each other is really wasn't a problem at all. But you've opened the door for God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus and all the powers of heaven to come in and make your home a place of joy and peace. The home is more important to the community than the church. And the church is very important. The home is more important. Having joy and peace and holiness in your home is the most important task that you and I have. And and we appreciate you singles here today. We really appreciate you for coming alongside us in this series and helping all of us. We want you on the team to be marriage builders for this church. Will you? Will you singles? And divorce people, there's different ways you can contribute. We're all in this together, guys. Now, here's what I want you to do. Here's your assignment, okay? You've heard the 10 things, and I want you to take five of them. Now, there may be others you want to do, but I, I picked out five that I believe are pretty common, um, common opportunities for these five. And here they are. You're right. Don't you remember that? You're right. Can I help you with that? Thank you. I'm sorry. You look great. You're right. Can I help you with that? Thank you. I'm sorry. You look great. Now, last week, you were, you were asked you to go have fun. If you forgot, you can, do, you can have fun and do this one this week. Okay? This week, I want you to say those five things sometime during this week. Now, don't just go blurt them all out. Say, now, the pastor told me to say, you're right. Can I help you with that? Thank you. I'm sorry. You look great. Don't do that. No, no, no. <laughs> Wait till there's an opportunity. When you, when, they, when you get in like a little discussion, maybe not an argument, a discussion, say, you're right. When, when your spouse comes into the garage and the grocery, car's full of groceries, and you're in there working on something really important, you're changing the world on your computer, leave your computer and say, can I help you with those? And, and then go do it, whether she says yes or no. Just start helping with the groceries. And when they do something today, say thank you. And when you're late, don't make excuses, say I'm sorry. And when they get dressed to go out, say you look great. All right? Let's stand. You know what's really great this morning is God and Jesus 
all this stuff that I'm telling you to do, he is doing for you. God is, Jesus is saying all of that stuff to you right now. He's, you know, maybe, maybe not, I'm sorry, but, uh, but that one, he actually, because it was so important that sorry be said, that the power of apology is so great, he apologized for us on the cross. He looked around, he's on all this pain, he's in excruciating pain, more pain than probably I'll ever experience in my life. And he looks around and he says, boy, somebody needs to say sorry for this mess. Uh, I'll do it. There's nobody else to do it. I will apologize for them because they don't know what they're doing. So other than saying I'm sorry, he, he kind of did it for you. But so that's how much he loves you. All he's asking you to do is follow him in your marriage. All he's asking you is to become a Christ follower. Because Now some of you are here today and you haven't received you haven't received his love for you yet and you need to right now and I want to pray with you right now and I want to also pray for your marriage that God will begin to, to, to live in your marriage I want you, you couples that are standing together you're, if you happen to be fortunate enough to be with your spouse today and uh, I, I want you just to would you just put a hand on their shoulder and we're going to pray for one another right now and invite Jesus to come in a new way and for that person who's standing there you've never received Jesus as your personal savior I want you to receive Jesus as the Lord of your life right now. I want you to receive him as the one who will speak affirming words into your life and like even your spouse can't even touch what Jesus can do for you. Now, Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for our marriages at Bethany Community Church. I pray, Father, that you will put in our heart and will flow out from our tongue words of love, affirmation, celebration, Words that build up and do not tear down. In the name of Jesus, release a spirit, a spirit of divine romance into our marriages and into our lives, God. I pray you will do it in the mighty and powerful and wonderful and awesome name of Jesus. And we give you all the praise. Let's give Jesus praise right now. Hallelujah for being the lover of our lives. Hallelujah. For being the lover of our lives, we give you praise in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah.